Hi, I'm Ron Sisko and this is Focus. And today I wanted to talk about being a walking contradiction. I promised myself that I wasn't going to start a podcast with, I think it's something, so got to break those patterns. I'm 36 years old. Um, the sum of my experiences have taught me that no matter how consistent a human being you attempt to be, how you feel from moment to moment is, is different. How we paint you as a person is really defined by the sum of your actions. And, and through those actions, we can find some sort of consistency or through your feelings, you can find a belief system. That doesn't necessarily mean but that, that you think the belief system is there or that it even applies to you or other people. But, but there's, there's a, a reality, like a, a voting record, if you will. It kind of is, to me, it's best summarized. I was thinking about this the other day. When it comes to the, the subject of having favorite songs, my favorite song changes from moment to moment. Now, there's a moment where I can, I can recognize what my favorite song is supposed to be, what I think it is. What, what, what I think about as my favorite song is a song that takes me to a feeling. It's something that makes me feel like I did at some point. It's, it's almost a nostalgia. You could listen to brand new music and listen to something that just, just changes, changes your world and then come back to it two days later and realize that it's, it's still not what you were, were looking for. I, it's probably why people, as they get older, and like I said, I'm 36 years old, people get older and, and then they become complacent with the things that they were listening to. The albums that you wanted to listen to tomorrow are probably the same albums you've been listening to for the last 10, 15, 20 years because that's what you've become comfortable with. That's what you've trained yourself to be comfortable with relating to, to a certain feeling instead of what satisfies you. Recognizing that in myself, I took it upon myself to, to kind of change that. I didn't, I didn't want to be stuck to the same 20 albums or the same 50 albums from 20 years ago. I wanted to make sure that I would experience new music today and not just from the same artists that I've been listening to for 20 years, but from, from someone new. And, uh, and I still miss out on things, but, but I go through the new music on Google Play Music every, every month, actually probably once a week. And, uh, and I listen through everything and, and hear what's new. And, and to be honest, I don't like most of it, but, but every once in a while I'll, I'll hang on to an album and, and it'll kind of help me make sure that I'm not getting stuck in the same patterns. A lot of people will think of that as, as some sort of uh, betrayal for what I like or what I thought I liked. And maybe it is. But is it important to be stuck to an ideal? Or is it important to make sure that I, I grow and enjoy things? Can I still listen to Brian Eno and appreciate Billie Eilish? Can I listen to Peter Gabriel and love Kanye West? I think it's possible. I don't think I have to explain that. The truth is, at 36 years old, I thought I had a pretty good idea of who I was, but I'm still discovering things about myself. I, I spent most of my life, um, I was just talking about this with my uh, wife's mother. I was, I was uh, four years old, five years old, maybe five years old, when I watched Tom Cruise ride a motorcycle in Top Gun, and I idolized that. 
he looked so cool, you know? Like, Tom Cruise was the epitome of cool in the 80s. I wanted to be Tom Cruise. I wanted to be on that motorcycle. I didn't get that motorcycle, but I did get a motorcycle, finally. After convincing myself all these years that it's too dangerous for something, for me. It, it became a reasonable thing to do. Maybe it's the midlife crisis speaking, but it's something I've always wanted to do deep down. I know it's dangerous. Way more dangerous than driving a car, in every way. And we can get into a debate about whose responsibility it is, it is to, to take on that danger and, and mitigating danger and being careful and all the safety things and technique. And I'm, I'm working on my side of that, but, but the truth is, no matter how you want to cut it, if someone hits you while you're on a motorcycle, you are exposed. And as a person who is generally concerned about safety and, and, and risk and, and risk management, it doesn't make sense to ride a motorcycle. I'm always worried about people's safety. Not to the point of forcing them to comply with my will, but to, to always be concerned. But, but I can be that person who is always concerned about safety and risk management and, uh, and education and still enjoy something like riding a motorcycle. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm addicted. If you haven't tried it yet, well, I won't tell you to do it, but wow. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, enth it's enthralling. They say life-changing. Again, that might be the midlife crisis sneaking up on me. But with that same risk management mentality and, and, uh, and, and like, I, I wouldn't say forethought. I, I really love to live in the moment, but, but concern for safety, concern for, for the future. I still don't know what I want to do with my life. When I was a kid, I remember being asked the question, as we all were, what do you want to do with your life? What, what do you want to do for a living? How do you, how do you want to be? What, what's your career going to be? And I remember the first time I answered that question, I wanted to be an astronaut. It was, just, it was pretty natural. It was pretty awesome. And then the second time I answered that question, I think I wanted to be a police officer. I think there was a, a cartoon on television, something about cops. I don't remember. At some point, firefighter came up and then I just kind of regurgitated what my mother told me, which is that she wanted me to be a lawyer, so I should want to be a lawyer. But here I stand at 36 years old, and I have no idea what I want to do with my life. It's weird. This is, this is when you think about it when you're younger, this is, this is the stage where you've defined yourself in terms of your career. And at 36 years old, I don't think that that's necessarily true. What does what 10 years from now say? Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? That's, that's always kind of a question mark. I could be anything. Reasonably. I could, I could dream about being something different. I could pursue that. I could go back to school. I could take classes. I could find new interests. I could be different. If you're looking at me and you're saying... No, you're 36 years old, and, and it's kind of too late for all that. Then how are you supposed to change anything for yourself? When the time comes, how could you impose the same limitations of change on, on me and then expect something different for yourself when the time comes? The truth is, we all live in a world where the rules that are created 
are the ones that we impose on ourselves. That's scary to think about because some people will take that too literally. But, but let's reel that back a second. The truth is, you choose the rules that you follow. And I think there are great rules to be following. Don't hurt other people. Phenomenal rule. Um, don't steal. Don't commit crimes in general. Just We can skip all the rest of them. But then there are other general morality-based rules. Treating others the way you'd like to be treated. Teaching others the way you would like to be taught. The truth is we're all in a state of flux from moment to moment. Who you are is defined by the sum of your actions. Again, that voting record. But who you are in the moment is defined by your reaction in the moment. How we, how we react to things, just in general, is almost muscle memory. Because we choose that over intensely processing our emotions at a moment. I mean, think about that for a second. There are certain things that will set you off in no time flat. And you might not even be in the mood to get angry. But you've trained yourself to know this is something that's going to just drive me crazy. So I'm just going to get angry. Instead of asking, am I too tired to be angry right now? Should I just let this one go? No, this is a matter of principle. It's not to say that those, those responses aren't necessary. Because they are. As, as human beings, if we took a moment to, to process everything we knew or said or felt, we would be so inefficient. Wait a second, how do I feel about this right now? Let's talk through this. We get bored. It's like driving a car. You get used to looking at certain things. It's like not being able to see the bridge of your nose. Although now that I've said something, you might probably be able to see the bridge of your nose. You don't think about it most of the time. It's not there. Every once in a while, we'll make a decision or, or have a reaction that doesn't fall in line with the voting record. And we're not going to turn this political, so we'll just, we'll just continue with the analogy without bringing lobbyists into it. But, but every once in a while, you're just not, not ready to be that person anymore. You'll take a minute to think about it. And I think this is where change happens. If you can be aware of your reactions and your feelings and, and how you would want to feel about something instead of what your pattern of feeling something has been, you have the choice to change it. It takes work, it takes time, but it can be, it can be useful. I've always kind of had that as an advantage of myself as a person, despite the fact that I, I have some road rage moments. More than a few. If you put my life at risk, I'm, I'm generally pretty upset about it. I think that's a reasonable response. But just in general, any conversation I have, I can take both sides of it because I don't want to be stuck feeling one way. Which is weird to me because I like consistency as a person. It, it speaks to the idea of being a walking contradiction, which is all of us. All of us define that role. No matter how consistent you are as a human being, you want excitement. No matter how inconsistent you are as a human being, you want some sort of base of consistency, something to come home to, something to, to set your watch by, so that you can plan the rest of your inconsistency around it. At the end of the day, without 
that dichotomy, life kind of loses its flavor. The ultimate tragedy of, of being human is the lack of awareness of ourselves is the exact limitation that we place on ourselves. The moment that you're defined by an automatic set of rules is the moment that you no longer break through a set of rules. And it's only the recognition that the self-imposition of those rules, automatic or not, is what holds you back from doing whatever it is that you want to do. Obviously, it can be more complicated than that. Let's not worry about things like financial situations or emotional situations. There's, there's definitely reasons that you wouldn't push yourself through it. But, but for most of us, those are self-imposed. Those are, those are excuses that we use to, to, to prevent ourselves from either taking action or becoming discomforted. The truth is, changes work. I'm going to bring it back to the motorcycle thing because it turns out I love it and I want to talk about it all the time, but I think there's a great analogy here. Riding a motorcycle is terrifying. I, um, there, there's the ability to take an MSF course, Motorcycle Safety Foundation, and I would recommend that everybody does it. I'm still going to do it. The MSF course will tell, tell you how to ride a motorcycle from not being able to do it to at least being competent and also being defensive, understanding defensive maneuvers. The experiences there will teach you how to uh, adjust to the environment and avoid situations that you might not have thought of. But I bought a damn motorcycle and I was going to learn how to ride it. So against the recommendations of the MSF, I took to the streets. Not necessarily the streets. At first, at first it was just the parking lot. I had the motorcycle a full 10 minutes before I ended up laying the bike down. I made mistakes. I didn't understand how gravel worked because, <laughs> you know, I've been driving in four wheels all the time and gravel means you slip a little bit, not that the whole bike is going to come out from underneath you and that you're going to land on your side. I broke the taillight. Um, I spent probably another half an hour learning how clutching works on a motorcycle, which is very odd when you're used to clutching with your left foot. I, uh, I spent some time learning how the brakes worked. The front and rear brakes are, are separate on my bike. That might not necessarily be the case for everyone. And how, uh, how turning works at low speeds. It's scary stuff. The motorcycle is 600 pounds, and when it lands on you, it's not great. It's kind of scary. And I very easily could have let that scare me out of being able to drive this thing. I could have let my first, my first experience with this define the course going forward. Anyone who knows me in any, any reasonable manner would know that that's not really how it works for me. I, 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 seem, I seem to have uh, earned myself some, some infinite patience when it comes to making mistakes. But it's different when those mistakes become physical. It's different when you bruise your hip because a 600-pound motorcycle landed on you. It's different when you fail a U-turn and that 600-pound motor, motorcycle uh, bruises the entire inside of your leg. It's, uh, it's different when knowing that not making a turn and hitting the curb means that that 600-pound motorcycle is going to land on you. It's different when falling on gravel on a road 
might mean sliding into an oncoming car. Those are things that could define my limitations as a motorcyclist. But I don't allow myself to feel that way. Or I do allow myself to feel that way, but I don't allow that to be a limiting factor. I'm not telling you those things to, to make you worried about me or, or make you feel worried about anybody who's on a motorcycle, although you should be worried about people on motorcycles. I, I'm telling you that because, because we don't have to, to stop. We don't have to stop being. We don't have to stop pursuing things knowing that there is a negative consequence to failure. I believe in failure as a teaching tool. I believed that my experience with gravel taught me to be very careful about the surfaces that I'm, I'm riding on. I believe that my experiences with the U-turn taught me to be very careful about how I handled the throttle. They were painful lessons, but they were lessons that I learned. And I believe that even if I had had a motorcycle crash that, that became limiting in some factor, if I, if I genuinely hurt myself, I would still get back on the bike. Not because I'm crazy or because I, I want pain, but because I don't, want it, I don't want it to stop me. I don't want to be limited by my fear of something. There's no wrong way to explore your limitations. I want to qualify that. There's no wrong way to legally explore your limitations, as long as you're doing things in a safe manner. Um, I have a permit to ride, and that means that I can, I can ride. I can teach myself. When I got comfortable, I could, I could put myself on the street, knowing that I probably wouldn't be a danger to people. But even then, even being comfortable riding on the street the anxiety of having cars around me that could very easily end my life caused me to, to get a little disoriented. And I, uh, I stalled the bike out a few times, which when you're followed by a line full of cars at a stoplight is really embarrassing. But you have to own up to your mistakes and, and you, you raise your hand in, in, uh, in shame and then you start your bike and you go. Over time, it becomes very easy to become discomforted with the amount of comfort in your life. I think that's what defines a midlife crisis, honestly. I don't know if I'm experiencing that now, or if it's just that I've become comfortable enough to explore that. But I think people who, who find themselves completely complacent with their, their pursuit of a career, when they have a, a, a marriage, or maybe not a marriage, depending on how you want to live your life, and maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. A house, a steady job, whatever it was that you thought you were in pursuit of. To be in a situation where you should be happy and then find yourself sabotaging that in some way. To know that your minivan or your crossover sport utility vehicle is the safest one that you could have, pers you could have purchased from, from Honda. Um, and still dream about that Miata, the little death trap. I'm sure Mazda wouldn't like me saying that, but it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of protection there, does it? And maybe you buy that Miata or that motorcycle. 
Maybe you put yourself in that danger. Maybe you start mouthing off to your boss. Maybe you start feeling like this isn't, this isn't the life you wanted. Maybe you start making mistakes. All those things are okay. It's, it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to be a hot mess. It's okay to be a contradiction of yourself, of all the things that you worked for. I would ask for you to, to quietly consider anybody that you might be affecting. But I want you to, to explore those things in a different way. I want you to, to feel what you were missing. Is it just exploration? Is it, is it that you're, you're tired of not being able to see your nose? It's a weird analogy, but I feel like it's appropriate. When we become comfortable with our lives, they just become the thing that we expect. And they're no longer the thing we pay attention to. Maybe it's because we've suppressed that. I kind of want you to take a moment to, to really think about the things that, that, that mean something to you. And I don't mean the things that you've told yourself mean something to you, because that's what we do. We say, this is my career goal. I want to make this much per year. I want to accomplish these things. I want to have this car. I want, I want to know what means something to you. I want you to think about that. What would you like to accomplish now? Not what did you say you wanted to accomplish. In your heart right now, what is something you want to do? And I want you to think about whether or not that's in line with the plan that you have in your life. Or the expectations you set for yourself. Or if they're in the realm of, of what's acceptable in your mind about how, how you are. I want you to take that, that, that little inkling and I want you to just say, you know what, that's okay. I want to do that. It's okay to be a hot mess. It's okay to not know what I want to do at 36 years old or 40 years old or 25 years old or to be 18 years old and have no idea how you want to plan your future. How are you supposed to make a $150,000 decision about your future. Maybe you don't want to go to college. It's okay to feel that way. Why would you go spend $150,000 if you didn't know what you wanted to do with your life? That's insane. Because someone told you to? It's okay to be a mess. It's not okay to, to ignore yourself. To let reason interfere with interfere with with the way you feel reason is is the decision making process it shouldn't define how you feel i want you to take, take that thought that that small accomplishment the, the the exploration that you're interested in and i want you to to look at that and say is this hurting anyone or is this just for me and i want you to look at that just for me moment, and I'm hoping it's just for you, because I want that to be a private thing for you. Because it means more when it's private, right? And I want you to make that happen. I'm gonna ride a horse today. I can't, I'm allergic, but I'm gonna test drive that Corvette. <laughs> I'm gonna 
go eat seafood. It doesn't have to be big. I want you to find a way to make that happen. And I want you to look at that and say, do I want to define my life by the muscle memory? Or can I take this minute by minute? Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. I should probably write a, a pre-written uh, exit here, but I, I don't really want to do that. I kind of wanted to roll off the tip of my tongue and we could talk about, you know, contact and, and feeling. And, and actually, this time, I really would love to hear from you about what those dreams are. We could discuss that if you'd like. We could talk about, you know, if you don't feel like you can do something or if you want to talk about whether or not it's reasonable to feel some, some way. I'm not a psychologist, but I want to encourage you to follow your dreams. And I want you to feel like you're capable of that. Or even if it's just that you don't know what it is, that's fine. <laughs> Man, why, why should you let anyone define that for you? You can, you can be human. You can not know. If you're interested in talking to me about any of that, you can find me on my website, focusbycisco.com, or on Twitter at, at focusbycisco, or run at focusbycisco.com. Uh, my Patreon, it's out there. It's on the website. I don't actually remember what the address is, but this podcast does go out on Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And, um, you know, if, if you want to talk, I'm here for you. If not... I'm still here for you. I really hope that this one meant something for you. It means something for me right now to, to be in a, a feeling of self-discovery and, uh, and maybe a midlife crisis. I don't know. We'll see. We'll discover that together. We can talk about it. It's not a negative thing, is it, to, to want to break tradition? We can talk about those things. We can be in this together. If you share this with someone, I hope it's because it meant something to you and not because you think they need to hear about it. But it's so nice that you're here. I'll see you when the plot requires it. But until next time, be excellent to each other. Have a great day.